Praise the Lord, everybody. I'm in a bad situation. How many will help me if I talk to you a little bit? I want to say this. I am so thankful for what God has done. I'm so thankful for the Paget family and what's happened for them tonight. Everybody else, God's moved in this place tonight. So thankful for that. And, and that's what means so much. Hallelujah. I have enjoyed this week. I don't know when I've enjoyed a meeting any more than I've enjoyed this meeting. I think it's just been something special. I hope that it continues. Uh, I like the way it's laid out. Ministers and their wives and families. And I thank God for the response that I've seen across the country. And uh, I've evangelized for 21 years, so I I preached among a lot of different fellowships and groups. And I met men that... uh, I'd meet somebody and I'd think, oh, I wish these guys could meet these guys. And uh, I've seen I've seen that come to pass this week. Men that we need so desperately. Uh, and we're here not because of a fellowship, not because of a car, but because of what we believe in, what we hold dear to our hearts. And uh, I do hold this truth dear to my heart. And, uh, thank God for it. I'm glad the Lord allowed me to be a part of His church. I don't deserve to be here. Just thinking about the Lord touching this young lady tonight. All of us are here because we've got God's fingerprints on our life. It's not because we're good. Because He's good. And I want to tell you, we need to hold up the banner of truth. We don't need to compromise. There is no compromise to truth. There is no compromise to truth. It's not to be re-evaluated. You don't have to re-evaluate truth. But at the same time, we ought to have more mercy... than anybody. And we ought to keep believing in people. I told our church a few nights ago, yeah, we we preach the strictest standard around. But there's another side to that. We believe in people that everybody else gives up in. And only in the church can people make a total new beginning on a night just like this tonight. It's over with. It's gone. 
The blood covers. We've got the most powerful message in all the world. We've got a message that the world needs. And I want to tell you, we're a bunch of opinionated people. And that makes it hard sometimes for us to get together. But we need to get together. And we need to help each other and love each other. Genesis chapter 35. And verse 1. And God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, and dwell there. And make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. Then Jacob said unto his household and all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you, and be clean. Change your garments. Let us arise and go up to Bethel. Anytime you're on your way to the house of God, you're on a high road to a blessing. You're bettering yourself. Nobody steps down to get in this church. We didn't do God a favor when we started preaching. Let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make there an altar unto God who answered me in the day of my distress and was with me in the way which I went. And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand and all their earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the oak which was by And they journeyed, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were round about them. And they did not pursue after the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to Luz, which is in the land of Canaan, that is Bethel. He and all the people that were with him. And he built there an altar. And I want to I want to talk to you tonight and I'm going to try to hurry. I feel like this is what the Lord would would have me to to say tonight. I want to talk to you about building an altar. Building an altar. Thank you Lord for your word and on it. Touch our hearts tonight, God. I thank you for everything that has been said in this meeting, God. Every powerful message that we've heard, God. Thank you for these great men. I don't know why I'm here tonight, God, but I want to obey you, Lord. Help me, Jesus. Please help me, God. Help me to be a blessing, God, to this congregation of people this last night. We're believing you tonight in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And you may be seated tonight. I want to start off by saying tonight that I am glad that I'm preaching to holiness people. I'm not ashamed to be identified with conservative holiness people. 
I don't believe that holiness is a dirty word. I don't believe it's a hard word. I'm glad to be preaching uh, before a, a group of great, great men and, and women. Pentecostal ladies that want to be Pentecostal. Young people that want to look right. Men that want to stand for what is right. There are some folks that go by the name of Pentecostal. They go by the name of Apostolic. They may go by the name of Charismatic. <clears throat> A lot of different uh, tags that people hang on themselves. And the world of Pentecost has become a very big world. <clears throat> Many of them have big crowds and they have a lot going on. Sometimes they're a beehive of activity, but they've got more hum than honey. But many of them are not holiness people. They are not identified as a holiness church. A few years ago, the world's largest Trinitarian Pentecostal movement at their conference, at their convention, voted and went on record that they no longer wanted to be known as a holiness movement. Now, Pentecostal people used to be called holiness. That's the holiness people. In the early 1900s, when a great revival broke out and people received the Holy Ghost, they called them not Pentecostal people, but they called them the holiness people. The reason they called them holiness is because they dressed holy. That's the reason they called them that. They were holy people. They, it was their dress code. It was their way of living that identified them. It wasn't their talking in tongues, but they said, that's that holiness bunch. They were known as the Holiness Church. Well, these folks went on record that they no longer wanted to be known as a holiness movement. Well, it had been a long time since there had been any evidence as far as what could be seen by the eye that they were a holiness movement. I like that scripture where the Bible says that man looketh on the outward appearance. God looketh on the heart. Beautiful, beautiful scripture for holiness, outward holiness, dress. I'm glad that the world has something to look at. Because man looketh at the outward appearance. I think we ought to be trying to reach the world. But they did not want to be known as holiness people. I suppose they can do whatever they want to do for the, with their soul. But I'm glad that this is not just a Christian church tonight. This is not just a Pentecostal church tonight. But we are a holiness people. I believe there's some men here tonight that five years from now, they're going to be holiness preachers. I don't believe that they're waiting for somebody else to affirm them and what they believe in. I believe there's some men here that will do it by themselves or they'll do it with somebody else. But they've made up in their mind, this is what I believe and this is what I identify with. I don't want to be by myself. But I believe what I believe. And I believe there's some people here that, that they're in this for the long haul. Now, it's not that we have an axe to grind with anybody. It's not that, uh, you know, we, we want to see how big a fight we can get. It's not, not that we think that we're better than anybody else. I, I can't stand this kind of holiness that you slap in people's face. 
And if any of us is holy, it's because God's holy. We're not holy within ourselves. It's what God has done on the inside of us. It's not something that you wear on your lapel and say, look how good I am. And look at how I'm living. And I'm better than everybody else. That's one thing I don't want in my church. I don't want an attitude that when people don't agree with us at everything that we teach and preach, that we feel like we're better than they are. You know something? There's some people, they just haven't been exposed to this. Some of us need to realize that. Hallelujah. They've got an attitude that loves God. And they want it right. I don't know about you, but I didn't get here by myself. I'm a product of a lot of men. And there's a lot of things that I think sometimes I come up with that I didn't come up with it. I've just heard it for so long, I think it's mine. But it's not that we have an axe to grind with anybody, but it's that the Bible says in Hebrews 12 and 14, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. And I believe there's some people here tonight that wants to see the Lord. We want to see the Lord in peace. We're not here tonight playing gospel games for our spiritual amusement. I want to tell you, we mean business around here. I'm not here to shadow box with anybody tonight. I'm not here to play with you tonight. I want to obey the Lord. If I'm going to do anything, I want to obey the Lord tonight. It's already been mentioned before God is anything. He is, first of all, a holy God. Brother Gross got on that, and I've got it here in my notes. He is a holy God. Isaiah 6 and 3, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The Bible, to give emphasis and strength to a statement, uses repetition. He's holy to the third power. Revelation 4 and 8, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. 24 hours a day, angels around the throne of God. We heard about them. Uh, covering their eyes and covering their feet and crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. doesn't say love, love, love. And let me say something else. He is a God of love. I heard of somebody that got up in the meeting a while back and with disgust said, I'm not up here to preach about the love of God. Well, I want to tell you the reason we're here tonight because God is a God of love. We wouldn't be alive tonight. We would not survive if it wasn't that God is a God of love. But we understand before God is anything else, He is a holy God. And so, being a holy God, and He said, I'm a holy God and I'm going to have a holy people. It's hard for me to understand why a movement would want to go on record and vote. We do not want to be known as a holiness movement. And it's hard for me to understand in oneness Pentecostal ranks. That there's some people that have this kind of attitude. That holiness is some kind of dirty thing. And everything needs to tighten up when somebody mentions the word holiness. I want to tell you, God's people have always been a holy people. They've always been a holy people. And they were a holy people in this text. God told Jacob and his family, I want you to bring an end uh, to your commitment to this community and this land. I want you to pack your goods and your belongings and I, I want you to move. I want you to go about 30 miles to the north to a place called Bethel. And I want you to dwell there and I want you to build there an altar for me. 
Now it is to Jacob's honor that when it came time to get a move of the Holy Ghost in his family, he took the bull by the horns. When it was time to have revival, he had enough authority in his house to say, we're going to have revival around here. He did not play games. He didn't have to ask his wife and kids what they thought about building an altar, whether it ought to be built or not. But he told everybody that was under his authority, his wives and kids and his servants and everybody that lived under his roof and everybody that was in his employment. Not just everybody on the platform, but everybody he was responsible for. He said, we're going to, he said, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to build an altar. Hallelujah. We are going to build an altar and start with, I want your your earrings, I want your finger rings, I want your golden gods, I want your ornamentation. I want everything that speaks of pride. I want you to put it right here in my hands. I want it. Now, why would that be important? Well, Psalms 10 and 4 tells us that the wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. I've never been in a revival meeting that didn't start with people hungry seeking after the Lord. But the Bible says of those that strut, of those that have the, uh, the countenance of pride. Hallelujah. Their countenance speaks for itself. They are not after God. The Bible says God is not at all in their thoughts. He has said in his heart, I shall not be moved. There's one thing that accompanies all great revivals from the Bible, and that is, first of all, an awakening to holiness. And then a humbling before God. So Jacob commanded his co-travelers. He said, I want your earrings. I want your finger rings. I want your ornamentation. I want all that speaks of pride. I want you to give it to me. And I don't want you to miss this. The Bible says, and they did it. They did it. There's a lot of people do it if somebody would command it. If somebody would require it. If somebody would say, hey, this is what needs to happen. You know, I believe that a man that is ahead of the house the way he ought to be, and that doesn't mean he's the big cheese. That means he's the cornerstone of everything. He's in square with God. He's in, in balance with God. And when he gets right, other people want to get right with him. It's not hard for a wife to follow a husband that's real. That's real. That is just not trying to be the big boss, but he leads the family. I want to tell you, the greatest success I can have is not to have influence in my church, first of all, but to have influence in my family. My greatest success would be that those that know me best to love me the most. If I lose my four boys and I lose my wife, I have been a failure. But you know something? I believe God can give us authority in our homes. I believe God can give us authority in our church families where we can be the leader of revival and we can say, hey, this is the way things have got to be done. I'm going to be the priest of this place. We're going to build an altar to the Lord. And so I want you to give me your gold and your silver and your earrings. Don't take it off and put it in your baggage somewhere, but give it to me. 
Hallelujah. Don't go hide it somewhere. You may lose your consecration. You want to go back to it. Hallelujah. Hand it right here. I'm fixing to build an altar. Well, there's some churches they could build no kind of, no telling what kind of altar. They get rid of all the jewelry and the gold and the silver and the pearls. Hallelujah. 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 If we're going to build an altar, if we're going to build an altar in the cities that God has allowed us to pastor in, it's got to be something that God can put His approval on. It's got to be something that God can put His favor on. God is not going to hang His tag on just anything. I want to tell you something. I don't have any problem with money. We, we, we got more money than we can spend. Now, it hadn't got to me yet, but we got it. And we got all the land we need. And we got all the buildings we need. And we got all the power of God we need. We've got everything we need because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And I want to tell you, the preacher that's trying to preach to you, if I can get to a place that God can put His favor on me. You know, there were some people that, that they would have made the Lord king. But the Bible says He would not commit Himself to them because He knew what was in man. The Lord's not going to commit Himself to just anybody. And even just because we're doctrinally right, He's not going to just commit Himself to us. God's going to have to be willing to trust us. He's going to have to be willing to trust His treasures in our hands. Hallelujah! There's some altars that need to be built. Hallelujah! 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 God is not going to put His approval on just anything. I want some way, somehow, find a place where God can trust me. Because I know there's not a problem with with needing anything. People sit around, boy, we had money. To, we, we got everything we need if we will get right. Do we really believe that? I want to tell you, we're, we're facing a time when we need to build altars all over this country. We need to build some altars in some cities where there's already supposed to be some altars. Hallelujah. We need a mighty revival. Jesus is coming. It's later than it's ever been before. Hallelujah. God has everything that we need in His hands. If some way we can get ourselves in a position where He can trust us. And so much of what He puts in our hand doesn't stick to us. Hallelujah. i got to hurry. He said, I, he said, I want you to go to Bethlehem. I want you to build an altar. Hallelujah. God has got some requirements. 1 Peter 3 and 3. Who's adorning? Let it not be the outward adorning, the planting of hair and the wearing of gold and the putting on of apparel. 1 Timothy 2 and 9. In like manner also women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness. That means the idea of downcast eyes, bashfulness toward men, modesty toward God. And sobriety, not with broaded hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but what becometh women professing holiness with good works. Hallelujah. I was going to spend a little time on all this stuff. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I, I'm going to stop and just say this. I'm not going to apologize for this. I was just going to go down a list of some things. You know, so many times we have to stop and apologize. I don't have to apologize for what's in this Bible. I don't have to apologize and say I'm not mean-spirited. 
for what is in this Bible. Deuteronomy 22 and 5, The woman shall not wear that that pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on woman's garment, for all that do so are an abomination unto the Lord thy God. Hallelujah. Now we usually spend all our, you spend all our time preaching to the ladies. Hallelujah. Right in Beaufort, Georgia, redneck country. Just a couple of years ago, the American Legion Hall, they had a contest and had a bunch of men parade across the platform in ladies' dress, and dresses trying to see who looked the best in drag. And oh, everybody laughing. Ha oh, that is so funny. But it ain't a laughing matter anymore. In this age of perversion, I said it ain't a laughing matter any longer. Ladies crazed men dressing like women. But this is a holiness church. Hallelujah. We are a holiness group of people. And I believe there's pastors that are here tonight by the help of God. As long as you've got breath in your lungs and strength in your body, you're going to be preaching the message that God has given you to preach. I want to tell you it's an exciting thing also to be pastoring a group of people that want it just like it is. And they want revival and they want to see the work of God go forward. I thank God for Pentecostal ladies that want to dress right. Thank God for the good saints at home that get behind us and they love this. And come on, Pastor, preach it to me. Tell me like it is. Don't get weary with it. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I'm preaching about building an altar tonight. Hallelujah. God told Jacob, Arise and go to Bethel and dwell there and make there an altar. Hallelujah. All right, I've just been fooling with you tonight. But I'm fixing to get you now. All this other stuff, I'll just be fooling with you. We ought to have this settled a long time ago. Hallelujah. All these dress codes and outward holiness and all this kind of business. Hallelujah. But I'm fixing to cut you tonight. And, uh, but it's going to be in love, I tell you that. Your main reason for being wherever you're at is to build an altar unto the Lord. Here's a family that called his family, called his kids together, called his servants together and said, We're moving. We're leaving our roots. We're leaving our families and friends. and We're leaving our schoolmates. And, and we're, we're going off to another place where we're going to build an altar. Hallelujah. That, 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 that needed an explanation. Why, why are we moving? We're, we're, we're moving because we are going to build an altar unto the Lord. We're going to lose, leave Grandpa and Grandma and all the uncles and aunts and everything that's familiar to us. We're going to go to a new place, and we are going to build an altar there. We're going to tell you before we get there what we're going to do. We're going to build an altar. We're not going to test the water to see, you know, what happens. We are going to build an altar unto the Lord. Hallelujah. You didn't say anything about the grazing being any better or the, the, the cock growing thicker on the stalk. Or we're going there because we're going to get rich. I want to tell you there's some things more important than how much money you're making a year. There's some things more important than trying to find out about the church that you're thinking about trying out for. How much tithe is coming in? I want to know what that has to do with it if God has told you that you need to go to a place and build an altar. That's what I want to know. 
Hallelujah. Bethel needed an altar, and Jacob and his family needed an altar too. And Jacob said, I'm going there to build an altar. And verse 5 says, And they journeyed, and the terror of God was upon the cities there round about them. And they did not pursue after the sons of Jacob. There were no ambushments. There were no robbers. There were no thieves. They didn't have any highway problems. Hallelujah. The Bible says that the countries round about looked on these folks, and the terror of the Lord fell upon them. I can see somebody coming out trying to sell them some food. Got some fresh vegetables here and see you folks on the road and thought I might make a little money and maybe be a blessing to you. And so he he, he sells them a few turnip greens and, and a few summer squash, a watermelon or two. And, and where are you folks going? Well, we're, we're going to Bethel. Bethel. Well, where's that? Well, that's that's the house of God. What in the world are you going to Bethel for? We're, we're going to build an altar in Bethel. Hallelujah. I went around and asked somebody else, where, where are you folks headed? We're, we're going to Bethel. We're, what are you going to do there? We're going to build an altar unto the Lord. I want to tell you, everybody he questioned, they all had the same answer. Hallelujah. We're going to build an altar unto the Lord. It is an amazing thing when everybody gets on the same page. Hallelujah. When everybody's saying the same thing. It is unbelievable the power that comes in a church when everybody sees the same thing and they're talking the same thing and they've got a vision. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, our church shouldn't be the first church of the Frigidaire. There ought to be something exciting going on. There ought to be expectation. If this is God's church, there ought to be something going on that only God can do. And friend, there's something about it when everybody's on the same page and, and everybody's speaking the same thing. You know the reason we're in town? We're here to build an altar. We're not here to make money. We're not here for advantage. Hallelujah. We have come by divine purpose and plan of God Almighty. You know where that starts? That starts in the heart of the pastor. That starts in the heart of the pastor's wife. That starts in the hearts of the kids. Hallelujah. When the vision is in the heart of that man of God, he knows the reason he's there. He knows God's behind him and God's in what's going on. God's going to back him up. He's the most important man in town. I want to tell you, man, when you get to town, things ought to pick up. I said things ought to pick up. We either believe this or we don't believe this. Either God is in this or we're some of the biggest fools in the world. We had a nice place where we came from. We had deep wells, wonderful water to drink. We, in fact, Daddy was making a lot of money. He was the richest fella in the country. But you know what he done? He left his job. Yeah, he had retirement coming on. But he left his job. He left his home. We left all of our schoolmates. We, we lived in a good house. I'm telling you, we lived in a nice house. It, it wasn't because we didn't have a good place to live that we're going to Bethel. Uh, we we had a lot of things going on. We 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 left our families, and, and uh, but but uh, you know something, <laughs> Hallelujah! God God has sent us on a mission. I want to tell you, the uh, God got the attention of all those nations. Hallelujah! I can see that fellow selling them that food, and he he goes back and tells his wife, tells his kids, and tells his neighbors, and it starts spreading everywhere, and they start talking about it. 
And they say, I'm going to tell you, these folks are different from anybody we've ever met. They, they mean business when it comes to this church business. I'm telling you, they, they're not playing games. Uh, they, they're going to build an altar unto the Lord. And the Bible says the terror of the Lord fell upon them. Did you know God knows how to get the attention of our town? God knows how to make people believe we're a lot bigger than what we are. Hallelujah. God knows how to make us just pop up in people's face, just all over town, every time they go to the grocery store. I'm telling you, God knows how to magnify us among the people. Hallelujah. He did that with us in Buford. I'm telling you, He, he magnified us. They, they think we're taking the time. We ain't even close to take, but we're working on it. Uh, we 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 running after everybody we can run after. But they think that we're a lot bigger than what we are. The mayor came up to me a while back and he said, I'm telling you, he said, I'm glad y'all got this. And he named the name of the building, the, the, the previous church. He said, y'all just been here just a few days. He said, y'all done more than they did the whole time they were here. And they started in the 1800s, 1887, I think it was. Hallelujah. Of course, we stirred up more devil than they did the first Sunday night. They called the cops on us for disturbing the peace. Hallelujah. But he said, I'm going to tell you something. You've done more for this town. He told the commissioner, he said, I'm going to tell you, this, this church here has saved our city. Is it all right for me to tell you what God's done for us? I don't want to act and sound braggadocious tonight. I want to try to tell somebody here that finds yourself in a rented building and you don't know what you're going to do. And the county's telling you, you're going to have to buy all these acres. You know, we're supposed to have five acres of land before we could even build a church. And the acreage was hundreds of thousands of dollars. What are we going to do? But you know something? i got a daddy that owns everything. My heavenly Father owns everything. There's no need here tonight. There, that's not the problem. Our problem is getting the favor of God and getting the mission in our mind and make up in our mind we're not here to build a kingdom in this world. We're not here to be a millionaire. We're not here to, you know, every time we make a little more money try to figure out how we can spend it. I'll just tell you this, when God raises our income, He doesn't raise it to raise our standard of living, but our standard of giving. God wants us to get our heart. You know what? God's brought us together in this meeting to let something be birthed in us. It's time for revival in our world. There's a bunch of hungry people that's looking for preachers that, that have integrity and love people and tell them the truth. God help me. They said, these folks are not like we are. Now you think about that. We got a bunch of Pentecostal preachers that won't be like they are. I don't understand that. I, I, I get the Charisma magazine. Yeah, I get it. It's the best funny book I've ever read. I don't get it to try to find out what they're doing so I can do it. I get it to just continue to blow my mind of how far they're going to go. And how I would never want to identify with that junk. One of our previous pastors was in there this month. He just had a hairpiece revival. Some of us are left out. 
Because we don't wear toupees. But on television, he took his hairpiece off. And great revival has swept the city. And they're calling it the hairpiece revival. Oh, yeah. These folks are not like us. They, man, they, they don't do business like we do business. I don't want to be like them. I want to get far away from them. What are you folks doing out here on this highway? All these kids. What, what advantage is it to you? Hallelujah. Brother Booker preached the message. See him back there. What's in it for me? That's what's killing Pentecostals. Well, what's in it for me? Surely us pastors shouldn't have that kind of attitude. Hallelujah. What's in it for me? I ain't even thought about what's in it for me. I'm not in this for advantage. I'm in this because God put something burning in my heart. Hallelujah. God has allowed me to be a part of a work that He didn't need me. He don't even have to have me. But He's letting me help Him build an altar. You know the reason Tim Copeland's in Buford, Georgia? (laughs) You know the reason I left my family and my roots and my friends? I don't know if Brother Cooley's here tonight or not. He's been here. He started the church. Right back there, somewhere. Saw somebody wave. He started the church in Buford, Georgia. Dug it out. Three years later, called me and I told him I wasn't interested. I won't evangelize the rest of my life. I preached a revival in Houston. Then Brother Ari Johnson called one of my elders and put the pressure on me. He said, I want you to go over there and I want you to preach. He said, that group of people, they're a small group, but they've got a clean feeling. There's just something about it. It's, it's ready. He told me about Brother and Sister Cooley. And so I said, well, I ain't got to go preach. Well, anyway, make a long story short. We went there. Hallelujah. We ended up going there. Hallelujah. You know why I went there? I went there to build an altar unto the Lord. I didn't go there for economical reasons. Hallelujah. Oh, no. I didn't go there waiting for a better position. Hallelujah. I got a little better position offered to me right after I got there. Isn't that amazing how that happens? Hallelujah. I get there. I get in town. I get settled. I pull my trailer up behind the church building. And uh, we, 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 we start setting up shop. And uh, I'm there about a week. And I get a phone call from a pastor. And he says, uh, uh, I've talked to uh, my men in my church. And I, I want you to come over here and I want you to preach for us. And, and I, I want you to come over here and take this church. He said, uh, we got a million dollars in the bank. The church is paid for. And uh, got a three-story house that you can live in. And he told me how much tithes was coming in, several thousand a week. And said, you think you can live on that? Brother Cooley, I think I could have lived on that. I said, I've already proven that I can live on that. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you know something? I said, no way, Jose. Let me tell you what happened during that time period. During that time period, the Lord, the, the landlord called and said, I just want to tell you that uh, 
I got a buyer for the building, probably going to sell the building within a month. I thought, now here it is. Now I get here, Brother Cooley's gone. I get here for the first month, and they call me and tell me that I'm going to lose my building. We're going to be out on the street. What in the world am I going to do? And of course, I, you know, I was going through all that, and, and then we parked our trailer behind the, the church, and I, I, I just got out there like done in places, other places, you know, and I got me a shovel and dug me a hole and uh, tapped into the sewer and got all fixed up. And, Hallelujah. It was hot, and so I went inside and was taking a shower, and somebody knocked on the door. My wife answered the door, and uh, and uh, he said, I'm Mr. Moats, that I am the city inspector. <laughs> said, uh, the mayor sent me down here to check on and see what's going on around here. Said, uh, said, you know, it costs $1,500, the town of the sewer here. And said, not only that, said, we don't allow RVs in the city of Buford. Said, the, the mayor would like to talk to your husband. Said, uh, We'd like to have a meeting with him if we could, about noon, if he could be there. She said, oh, I'm just, he can be there. I heard a lot of that. I stayed in the shower. <laughs> I finally had to get out of the shower. Boy, I tell you, you can run out of hot water fast in them travel trailers. He was there to know about that. And so I got out, and so she told me, I knew, and... Uh, we got down in the living room and we started praying. See, God told me something about the church there. This is probably a new one on some of y'all. God works for me different, I guess. He, you know, some of y'all, you get thunderbolts and, you know, God shows you these visions. And I prayed about going to Buford. And uh, the Lord spoke to me and said, I'll tell you what. He said, if you want to keep evangelizing, I'll be with you. He said, if you go to Buford, said, I'll be with you. You ever heard anything like that? <laughs> That's a pretty good deal, wasn't it? <clears throat> Hallelujah. So anyway, we got down, we started praying. And, and oh, God, help me. Please help me. What in the world is going to happen? So I went downtown, and just right down the street, went to City Hall, and they called me back to a big boardroom. We go along table. Seen some of them tables, boy, they long. And uh, all these guys sitting on one side of the board of the table, and they put me over on the other side. And the mayor come walking in there, and he had a big old book about this thick, and he just flopped it out of the table. He looked at me and said, Preacher, he said, there ain't nothing in this book of bylaws that's going to allow you to keep that trailer on that property. He said, we don't allow RVs in Buford. <clears throat> so... I didn't know what I was going to do. So I just started talking. I did like the Lord said to do. I just started talking about my past. We've been evangelizing. And, uh, and the Lord started putting stuff in my mouth. And I told him, I said, I'm, I'm here to build a church. I could have said an altar, but I didn't know it was going to be preaching <laughs> I said, uh, we're going to build the biggest church in this city. That's what we're going to do. We're going to build the biggest church in this city. I said, I'm going to tell you something. You, you leave me alone and you give me a little bit of time and I'm going to be a blessing to this city. You hear me? I'm going to be a blessing to this city. Anyway, before it was over, he said, you know, I don't... He said, I don't think it's going to hurt anything for him to have a trailer behind that church. He said, I'll tell you what, preacher, I'm going to get... He said, if anybody... And I'll, there was some church... 
another church that was trying to shut us down, calling us snake handlers and all kinds of stuff. And, and, uh, but they, they were the ones, and he, he went to that church sometime. <laughs> but uh, <coughs> he, uh, he said, I'll tell you what, he said, if any of these people start griping and complaining again, I'll just give you a, a, a remodeling permit. He said, you just go over and nail a nail on the side of their old building. If you want to, you're remodeling for six months. And said, uh, after six months, if you're still there and you need another permit, you come back and get another permit. And you just keep on remodeling. Now, I'm going to tell, so- tell you something. God can allow His terror to fall on people. Hallelujah. We had this little rented building. Had this little rented building. You know what I started? We started praying, believing God. We started taking every penny we could get our hands on and putting it in the bank. I started telling our folks, we're going we're to act like we're paying notes on a building. Hallelujah. Thousands of dollars started coming in. That's right. I got a better revelation than that now. I believe God don't want us to ever go back to the bank. That's right. I don't believe God wants me to go with my hand out and say the church needs help. I don't believe that. I believe everything is the Lord's. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Now, I'm not going to criticize you, and you may hear for it's over. I went to the bank. I'm just telling you what I'm... Come on, brother. Go ahead. I believe that. I'm sick of throwing interest away that I could be putting in God's work. And it's like Brother Lambert, first we get ahead of God. And we think that we're running behind schedule. When if we would be where we thought we ought to be, we couldn't handle what we... You know what? I wanted First Baptist Church when I got in town. I told my brother. He felt sorry for me. He came to see me. And I took him down there and I, drove, I walked him through that building. That's what we want. He didn't tell me, but he said he really felt sorry for me. I went and talked to him about it. They made fun of me. They ignored me. They wouldn't return my calls. But I'm going to tell you, before it was over, they was calling me. They was begging me. They were saying, hey, brother, so we, we got to get together on this. I'm not talking about anything I've done. I'm talking about what Jesus did. I'm talking about God wants to do it for us. I'm going to get off all, all that. But I'm going to tell you this. I'm in, I'm in Buford to build an altar. I had some things offered to me. I'm not impressed with my church people coming and saying, Oh, I've got this offer now. I can, be star- I can, I can make $40,000 more a year if I move to Booker Holler. I'm not impressed with that. You understand that? I'm not impressed with that. They would not want a pastor that was always looking for a better opportunity. Always calling around, well, how much tithes is coming in? Well, what kind of house am I going to live in if I decide to change? Is that what we are? Are we a bunch of professional hirelings? Or do we believe that God's in this? And I want to tell you, it doesn't matter if you're running 13 or 1300. If God sent you, you're where you need to be. And you don't need to be wanting to go anywhere else. 
You know something? If your people pick it up, that you're always looking somewhere else, always looking for an opportunity. Yeah, an opportunist. Don't you think that your people are not going to pick up the same attitude? I'm going to tell you, I get greatly offended when I see people ready to bail out on me for a few bucks. Don't impress me. It does not impress me. I'm not saying that there's not a time that sometimes people need to move. I'm not saying that. But I want to tell you the majority of the time, but I'm going to tell you something else. You're not going to build a, a church on a bunch of movers and movers in. You're going to build a church on people that's got roots and they say, you're my pastor. This is my church. This is my altar. I'm going to give everything I can to the work of God and the house of God. And I want to tell you something else. When we go around and look at other saints and desire other saints, and I want to tell you something. God can give us what we need wherever we're at. And so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not impressed and I'm not embarrassed. I just find out sometimes what people are made out of. And I, t- I find out if people's really got their burden in what we're doing or not. And you know what else I tell my people? If you're not happy here, go somewhere else. We're a happy people. We're happy around here. I don't want, to, I don't want anybody unhappy because if they're unhappy, they're going to make somebody else unhappy. The same Spirit's going to get on somebody. If you're not happy here, go somewhere else. Maybe somebody can help you better than I can help you. And that's another little verse. Maybe they do need to go somewhere. Maybe they can live for God and go to heaven too. Even though it makes me mad. It really don't make me mad. I'm just cranked up a little bit tonight. Ain't no, nobody that's ever left my church that I want to go to. I want good things to happen to. I want them to go to heaven. I want them to be saved. Our highest purpose is to build an altar. An altar where we can save ourselves, save our children, save our families, save our church. I had a fellow always talking about, man, I can't stand this traffic around here. I can't wait to get out of here. I can't wait to get off of 285. I can't wait to move up in the mountains and get me a cabin and kick my feet up. Well, you spiritual dingbat, that's what you are. I can't wait for some more people to move in where it gets so thickly populated that I can't hardly walk. You know why? Because I'm in the fishing business. Let them come. Let them come. Let's throw the net out. Let's preach the gospel. Let's teach Bible studies. People need this message. People need the truth. People need something that will deliver them and set them free. We're in the people business. I don't want to go off to some monastery somewhere and eat grapes and nuts and live by myself. I got too much to give people. God's been good to me. so cautious in the way I, I live that I can't smile at the supermarket. 
and talk to people. I don't want people to think I'm a weirdo because I'm apostolic. And some people need to get their priorities right. I'll tell you what, if they was here, I'd be getting them tonight, wouldn't I? Hallelujah. I'm not preaching to you preachers. I'm, but if they was here, I'd get them. Let's, let's just... <laughs> but there's some people need to get their priorities right about this church business. The Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world... The love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth. Hallelujah. I want to be in this when, the, when we get to the end of the race. I don't want to be a casualty. I want our church to be like this and then go like that. Hallelujah. I want us to survive. We got too many people that love the world. The stuff of the world. The things of the world. The collective powers of the world. Everything that's going to vanish away. Everything that is temporary. We got too many Pentecostals that's got too many investments in this world. Let me give you a scripture. It's still in the Bible. Lay not up for yourselves treasures on this earth. Where thieves break in and steal. Preachers crying over losing a million dollars on the stock market. You can lose it there, friend. But I want to tell you a place you can never lose it. It's when you put it in the work of God. When you put it in a meeting like this. You never lose it. You lay up treasures in heaven. You see, the problem is, we don't think heaven our home. We think earth is our home. We sing about heaven, but we don't think heaven's our home. We think earth is our home. I'll tell you something else. We think we own everything we got. When really God owns everything we got. God owns the automobile you drive. God owns the house you live in. God owns your bank account. I know you're riding the check. But God owns it. Somebody says 10%'s God. No, 100%'s God. 10% is just an act of faith and obedience. That I believe God's in control and I'm honoring Him. But the truth of the matter is, the 90% God's too. If you have anything that's not God's, you need to pray through. And I need to pray through. I want to tell you, it'd be, it'd be easy to make a lot of decisions that's hard to make if we get this revelation. I'm not here to run a business. I don't have to do that because my father's got everything. If I need it, he's going to give it to me. If he can trust me with it, I don't have to get involved in all this junk. 
Because I'm in the highest business. I'm building an altar that people can come and find God. People can come in and shake the devil off their back. People bound by sin can be set free. Families can be put back together. People without hope can find hope in our churches. Here we are with the greatest treasure. Let me tell you about it. A man one time was walking through a field. And it was like an accident. He'd come up on a treasure. And when he found it, the Bible says with joy. With joy. I'm not talking about a sacrifice. I don't want anybody to say, oh, Brother Copeland, he is so spiritual. So sacrificial. Oh, I'm doing this for me. You understand that? Anything I give to God, I'm doing it for me. I'm not losing it. With joy. He went and sold everything that he had. That's when God's going to give us everything he's got. When we sell everything we got. That's when something's going to happen to this creature right here. When I finally die of everything that needs to die in me. And God can trust me. People can walk out on wheelchairs. We're not being charismatic. If we believe that God can heal a cancer and cause a gorder to fall off in the floor. But if He can trust us not to be elevated and realize we ain't nothing. God's got my daddy's got everything. He's got everything I need. It's a shame that I, I feel so anytime I mention anything God's done for me in our church. I feel I feel embarrassed. I feel I'm afraid somebody's gonna think I'm bragging on myself. And I've had people tell me that too. I had a preacher tell me, nobody is interested in what you're doing. You understand that? I want every one of you to have a great revival. I want our cities. Every city represented here deserves at least another old-fashioned Holy Ghost revival before Jesus comes back. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. So the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. And the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing that these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought we to be in holy conversation and godliness? Looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of the Lord. Wherein the heavens shall be on fire, they shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. Even the elements are going to be destroyed. There's not going to be nothing left. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Nothing left. People that are fighting over, people that are losing marriages over, 
uh, things that people are losing marriages over. Friendships are breaking up over, over things that... I want to tell you, every one of you need to take your kids to the dump when you get home. You need to go to the dump. That's where you need to go. You need to show them everything in the dump. Everything that's in your house is in the dump. Automobiles is at the dump. Televisions are... I hope you don't have a television. Televisions are at the dump. That latest computer that you think you've got to have, you've got to be on the cutting edge. Just wait a little bit, it'll be in the dump. It'll be in the dump. Toes are at the dump. Alligator shoes are at the dump. Oh, yeah. They'll wear out. Yeah. How about we care? Everything's going to the dump. Except what we can do for the Lord. What we can invest in God. We got an insider trader tip. The market's fixing to change around here. And everything that people think is valuable, the Bible says in one hour it's going to burn up. They're going to cry and say, Oh, Babylon! Oh, Babylon! And Pentecostals are going to be doing that. And some preachers are going to be doing that. There's home missionaries. I told our church. There's money here tonight. There's a lot of money here tonight. I'm not live. I'm trying to live up. Got a deal right here in my. I built all. God owns every treasure. I'm His investment manager. I read a book called The Treasure Principle. Everything I got is God's. And the more you have, the bigger responsibility. And is this talking about everybody going on poverty level? No, you're missing the mark. It's with joy. And God just starts causing it to flow. We got people needing to build churches. We got some good preachers that need some help. We got men that are working long hours. On a public job. Trying to build a church. Trying to build an altar. I can flick a hundred dollar bill out and blow it like it ain't nothing. There's going to be a bonfire in a few days. There's going to be a big bonfire. The whole world is building for the bonfire. Everything's going to burn up. Everything is going to burn up. Everything that's not a God is coming down. But God, the cream of the crop is here tonight. Some of the greatest people, preachers in the world are here tonight. I don't know why I'm up here tonight. 
I don't deserve to be up here tonight, but I know who's out there. We need to do something for God before the sun sets. We need to get our priorities right. We need to realize we're not here for anything else but to build an altar to God. An altar where people can find hope. You know what? You can sit here. I know you can rationalize and turn on everything I'm preaching. I know you can. And I'm not a very smart man. But I want to give my life this. I want to at least match any of you with passion. With desire. I want to build an altar. September the 11th ought to tell us how quick things can burn up. It ought to tell us how quick things can happen. God only knows when we leave and go home tomorrow, whenever, what's going to happen in the next few days. Our whole life may be changed. Change it, God. If you have to change it to get your man where he needs to be. If you have to get our priorities right. That we can remember who we are. You see, that's the reason we, we have a lot of stress and we, we, we get to fall apart. We start falling apart. Oh, I did this more. If I could have had more money, if I did this. God has everything. <clears throat> and when we realize who we are, I'm not... I'm the most important man in my town. You understand that? God watches me more than He watches anybody else in my town. If I didn't believe that, I'd get out of business. If I didn't believe, I, I, won't, I, I, I would not trade churches with anybody here tonight. You know what I feel like? I feel like I got the best church. You know why? Because that's where I'm at. And you know what? You want you want your churches, you want your people in your church to feel like that. And yet there's some people that's always looking for something else. They're always, always looking. Why don't you give somebody a relief? If you ain't got a burden, won't you let somebody have a burden for that place? If you don't have a burden there, don't wait to try to hop somewhere else because it won't be right there either if you do that. Just looking for a place. Why don't you give them all some relief? Forgive me if I'm being... Uh, but I'm going to tell you, this, 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 this is the greatest mission in the world. This is the greatest calling in the world. This is the most important business on earth. God is interested in what's going on. He's interested in what's going on in this meeting tonight. He is interested in how we are going to respond. Hallelujah. You know something? Hallelujah. The world... He's going to lose everything. I, I, I'm going to get through this. I'm, I'm... The world is investing in something that's passing. But I want to tell you, it, it's something to, to be a part of, something that's substantial, something that's lasting. 
Can you imagine that Jesus stood by a well? Hallelujah. 3,200 years after Jacob had dug it and preached the message about living water. Hallelujah. You drink of this well, you're going to be thirsty. But I got a well of water that if you drink of it, you'll never thirst again. But it will be a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Can you imagine what it was to be a part of Solomon's temple? Being a hewer of, of uh, the timbers or, or the rock and, and fixing it just right where that when it was brought to the place of erection, there was not one sound of the tool. Everything was so fitly joined together. And the pride, no doubt, and the feeling of satisfaction that those men had realizing we're building something that's not just going to outlaw, uh, be here for us. It's going to be here for our children and our grandchildren. We're building something that is substantial. I want to tell you, so many times that history of a church. It's like the shooting of an arrow. The arrow leaves the string of a bow and, and it, it ascends and ascends and, and it reaches its zenith and then, and then it starts descending and it finally descends and goes down and strikes the ground. I want to tell you, God doesn't want our churches to be like that. He doesn't want it to be, hallelujah, you know, just going up for a little while and then everything dies and, and it's over with and, and it's just old business. But God wants us to go from glory to glory and and from victory to victory. There's no way that we can exhaust God's assets and God's power and God's treasures and, and what God has for us. This thing is bigger than any of us can ever imagine. And here we are trying to run a five and ten cent store. And God owns everything. And I want to tell you something else. He said in the book of Psalms, he, he talked about, he said, I, I know the beasts of the field. He said, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. He said, if I was thirsty, would I ask you to give me a drink? If I was hungry, would I ask of you? What he was saying was, you don't need to give me nothing. It ain't that I need you. You need me. You need to give. And the way we get is by giving. We begin to get trustworthy. We begin to be a channel. And it starts flowing through us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brother told me last night, brother, the pastor's in Dyball, Texas. Somebody help me. Brother Medlin. Medlin. Just a while back, he saw this, this beautiful property on the interstate. He said, man, I'd love to build a church there. He said, but we can never afford it. He told me. He said, he just he said, we can never said, take a miracle. So I've said that. Isn't it funny? we got a miracle working in God and said... But it'd take a miracle. We say a lot of funny things like, like, ain't got nobody left but God. God's the only one I got left to depend on. <laughs> but they was having a prayer meeting a while back, and he told his church, he just, he just said, man, said, boy, I'd love to build a church there on a hill. He said, but it'd take a miracle. And then some of his good saints. Said, well, let's pray right now. 
God can give us a miracle. And they prayed. And the next morning, a guy called him that owned the property and said, Hey, you know my property up there on that hill? said, <clears throat> He had a trucking company, I think it was. He said, Would you trade me your property for my property? And I got a pair of slides. What you got's more suitable for what I'm wanting to do. I don't know how long God waited for that preacher to pray that prayer. <laughs> but you know why he didn't have it? He didn't have it because he didn't pray it. Brother Lambert. <laughs> God has what we need. And don't worry if it takes a miracle. That just means God's going to be doing more of it than you. Hallelujah. God don't need us. Brother Holmes is building a beautiful building. I ain't never seen nothing like it. Anybody ever been to his other church? Isn't that something? That's garbage. You wait till you see this other one. Hallelujah. Forgot my point. <laughs> Anybody know what I was talking about? <clears throat> I'll tell you what, it's a nice building, ain't it? <laughs> this is what I was talking about. It's beautiful. It takes your breath. It's unbelievable. I can't describe it. But as beautiful as it is, it ain't near as pretty as the Rocky Mountains. Star-studded skies standing by an ocean roaring in, jetted. The rocks jetting out, beautiful. How could we ever build anything compared to the way God makes them? God could have said, I'll tell you what I want you to do. There's a beautiful mountain peak. You know the one over there? All those heathen people go and worship. I want you to go over there. That's going to be my cathedral. Or down there in yonder canyon. Where the river's rushing. The deer come to drink. Or you can get down there and feel close to God. So beautiful. I'll have flowers budding in the springtime. Trees turning a blazing red and yellow. It'll be so beautiful. But he didn't do that. He said, I want you... Get down there on your hands and knees and start digging some rocks up. Get some sweat in this. Get some blood in this. Get some of you in this. I want you to make an investment in this. I want you to build an altar. All of us want a multi-millionaire to pray there, don't we? <laughs> Sometimes it happens. It sure hasn't happened in Buford. 
Most of the time, God says, I'm going to let every one of you put a little something in this altar. I want you to build an altar. I'm fixing to let you go. I, I, but I want to say this. I remember a few years ago, I went to Christ Temple. G.T. Haywood built that building. I was looking at that building, and I found out something I didn't know. They told me, they said, this building was built during the Depression. Now, you think about that. How did they do it? How did they build that massive building in the middle of Depression? God can do anything. God has what we need. God has what we need. What's an altar? It's a place of death. I guess the saddest person in hell will be the Pentecostal who knew truth, hung around the church, maybe pastor the church, but never died to will. You see, that's where I cut you. It ain't in the standards. It's in our personal agenda. It's in our our plan. It's yeah, we our career. We talk about people's career in our church. Our career. Our career. That's where Jesus struggled. It was in the garden that he struggled with his will. That was where his sweat was like great drops of blood. And that's the problem with this guy right here. God sure does entrust a lot in the preacher's hands. I believe the tithes belong to the ministry. I believe that. There's another verse to that. God sure is entrusting a lot in our hands. I guess one of the hardest decisions to make is, is this reasonable? This that I'm doing here is this. Now, I know with my, my boys, I want my boys to have good things. I believe Jesus wants us to have good things. I'm not talking about everybody going around with holes in your britches. But I want to tell you, when we can say everything I have is God's. I don't have a retirement that's not God's if He wants it. You understand it? God help my retirement. But if I had a big retirement, is there something that is in your budget that's yours? Oh, yeah. We, 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 we teach stewardship in our church. People start living on a budget. But I want to tell you this.